0: We are back with the Montpelier Happy Hour here on 107.7 FM. WVEW Brattleboro, your community radio station. I am your host, Olga Peters, and Miss Emily Kornheiser. Can you hear me? I I can hear you. You can. I can. Okay. Rebecca, are you still there? I'm here. Oh, yay. (laughs) We are all here, um, which is so lovely. And thank you for joining us. If you are just joining us. We are speaking with Rebecca Ramos, who is an attorney in Vermont, and we've been talking about more uh, legislating morality and how that relates to sex work. And did I get any of that wrong?
1: I think you got that all right. I
0: think I got that all right. Yeah, you did. A lot can happen with- Oh, and the, views,
1: um, the views on the show are the- What's the phrase? Oh, yeah, we
0: should do that. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the host and the guests, not the radio station.
1: Thank you. That was
0: my announcer voice. It
1: is much nicer with your announcer voice. (laughs) It feels much less oppressive.
0: So Rebecca, I would love, it was great, before the break you were talking about strategy and how do we work a change, what is essentially a change in community through the legal process and how do we remove that all the morality and all the judgment from the policymaking process when we are taking on these big issues such as decriminalizing sex work and I, I wanted to kind of circle back to something Emily had mentioned at the top of the hour which was something called the Comstock laws which for folks who don't know Anthony Comstock was someone out and about in the late 1800s who basically used the court system to he, he said he was protecting society from things like sex and birth control and women in general but really, he was, he was taking it out on a lot of his efforts on making sure feminists didn't get any more purchase in, in the community. And um, he, he did a lot through the, the court system, which makes me wonder, as we go forward with building policy, new policy, how do we watch out for things like those Comstock laws, which were a lot of baiting and switching,
2: So basically, what could um, go wrong? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, so if we, so uh, what my you know my experience doing this for lots of years tells me, like, um, we're we're never done. You're never done legislating. And so, what makes what made sense in 1918? Maybe that maybe these prostitution laws made sense and that was where the country was and that's where the state was and and that was a reflection of where the community was. Um, but maybe that's not where we are now. And so it, it you know, uh, our, our laws are just a reflection of, of our, our community's values, right? And so maybe 1918, that was what our community's values are. And I'm not saying that they they were wrong or bad and I do think Comstock was like oh my god you read about this dude now and it's like so offensive but in reality we can we have very very similar people like that today but you know in Vermont what are what are our values around these questions and um, and part of I think being part of the the legislative branch is to raise the question and um, and especially in communities like your own, like Emily, your community, that has, you have the, because of your, your, you know, your the, your district, you have you have you and others have the ability to raise some of these more controversial questions. That you know, it's not particularly safe, and other
1: you know, where other
2: legislators may not feel safe doing that. Um. So, so maybe. You know, like we tried to do something a couple of years ago on the safe injection sites, right? Which make a lot of sense. All the data's right. Harm reduction, so much, such good data. No, our our you know maybe Burlington, but maybe Brattleboro, I don't know what you guys did, but the state as a whole not ready for safe injection sites, right? Not right now. Maybe in a couple of years, but that's where that's where like sometimes our People just are becoming; they become too uncomfortable because they they don't uh, it, it does they don't feel good about it, or they don't like what it means, or they they, they don't believe the
1: data. So, um, so if you bring you something know, up too early before people are ready for it, what tends to happen?
2: That's why. So if if you don't like incremental change, then you're in the wrong job. <laughs> much, you know, as much as um, I, yeah the incremental change is exhausting. Like you can't, like we have to normalize conversations before people, you know, like that's what happens. Sometimes if you go too fast, you get people to know instead of neutral.
1: I had a bunch and of, te- te- I had a bunch of teenagers in my um, car the other day that I think it was the day after the climate March. And a few of them were saying like, we did all of this and we went to the UN and nothing happened. <laughs> and I just, before I could help myself, I said, Oh, baby, change is slow. Mm. Change is very slow, and that's okay. You have to have hope in the dark. And I started, like, Rebecca Solnit lecturing this poor teenage boy. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, 8 o'clock in the morning. About, like, keeping hope and that we need to, like, take our time. And you never know what one spark will light in the next fire and the whole thing. But what I'm thinking, I've been thinking when... We talk about sort of moving this conversation along about sex work and especially opening up a conversation that's never been opened up in Vermont to my knowledge Um, Mm -hmm. I think about when we were debating H57 which is the abortion bill and how if we had accepted any of the amendments that were on the table for that bill then and that then passed we would have been worse off yeah. Then, if we had never started at all,
0: interesting.
1: No, that's true because there, it, we,
2: we were, we were, we, you guys were legislating the status quo. Yes. So um, the, I don't know. I don't. There's. I have. I don't think you can, we could go. It's possible with with regard, looking at the leadership around this question. You we're not going to get worse off, right? You're not going to have um, the the House Judiciary, some judiciary uh, go backwards, right? So, like, I, I'm not worried about that question so much. I think um, more, I think I worry is if we go too fast and we're not going to be able to have the conversation in a way that moves people to a neutral space and then to, like, an aha moment, right? Oh, right, we're really talking about, you know, like, there's, there's this intersection of like there's the sex trafficking crime criminal really bad stuff and then there's the consenting adults and then there's these gray spaces and like how do you how do you tackle that right and we have examples where where their communities have been successful tackling that um, but uh, uh, and I don't even know if we yet if maybe you guys come up with some language that. It helps us get more data mm-hmm.
1: to make the right
2: choices. You know, I don't know if we really have all the infer- all the right information we need.
1: So that's, that's a huge challenge for me generally since I started in the legislature. Um, and actually before I was in the legislature, just the profound lack of data we have about what Vermonters' lives really look like. And then in this topic in particular, because so much of it's sort of happening in the darkness um, to really, quite literally, actually, um, to feel like I'm understanding this issue well enough and in deep enough conversation with people who will be affected by it to move this forward. And so I'm really looking forward to, as, you know, bringing as many partners to the table as we can to understand this before we try to jump in too deep.
2: Well, uh, I, I would, we, the, we don't have a campaign, and again, I'll keep coming back to that, mm-hmm. but you know, like we work on the climate, we look we work on energy and the climate campaign and, um, uh, you know, the diet related diseases and heart. issues. you know, like we work on a lot of campaigns where there's like gaps and, uh, a, a communications machine and social media machine mm-hmm. and people, stakeholders, you know, lined ad- up yeah stakeholders, advocates in the districts and folks doing letters to the editors and writing op-eds and uh there is you know there's no group of people you know like even for homeless and uh, mental health folks that most of our most marginalized communities in our state have have a a coalition that's supporting them and sex workers are or like the like the last marginalized community that we have no we don't they're not we they're not unionized they're not organized they're, and maybe that maybe one maybe someone's listening to me right now and be like actually we are guys that would be great but you know we don't there's no Killing the ground is one way to call it like preparing the conversation mm-hmm. and so you know um,
1: and that's what we're doing right a, now right
2: here yep that's what we're doing right now right here and I actually I do think that. If you're you know when you actually spend a little bit of time just paying attention, you do have an aha moment and be like, right, like this is a little like this continued you know criminalization in this area just doesn't make sense. it just doesn't, but um but it it is not something really most people have spent any time thinking about um for a whole bunch of reasons um. And uh, a lot of fear-based reasons, a lot of just, like, that's what, that's what we were taught. So that's what makes sense to us. Um, and then never, and not really questioning that, because when does it come up, right? I mean, like, um, even though the data shows, like, ex- people are, you know, having more, like, there's a lot of, ex- there's, sex workers are being paid in Vermont and doing work here, even though, like, it's not a topic of the conversation that we're having with our friends at dinner.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, you brought up a really interesting point, Rebecca, and and Emily, you did as well, that I think sometimes when the legislature asks for a study or a report, a lot of people roll their eyes, Mm -hmm. and yet it is such a crucial part if you're going to pivot or create some change, you really do need to know what um, the, the today is, the today data.
1: Or even sometimes you might know the data, but you need more people to know the data and mm-hmm. you need a mechanism to be sharing that data with more stakeholders mm-hmm. you need to open mm-hmm. the conversation right? yeah
0: and especially because yeah. we need to move beyond what what stories we might be telling ourselves to, to see what is right. actually out there
2: yes and if you're stigma if you have if you're fearful if you're you're stigmatized you're marginalized you realize that if you speak about this, um, about your work you do, that you will, are going to be, um, shunned or, uh, mistreated. Uh, why are you speaking up? Right. And let's just say it's all about your, like, what's so crazy is that we're just talking about women and men having sex. Like that's how <laughs> insane this is. We're just talking about people having sex and instead, and then, and it is so much baggage around it that it, it's like once you just lay, when it's once you just understand, we're just talking about a transaction around something that is a biological act that you just it's in your DNA that it's, it's insane. No, like it, it, it is. I mean, when I was really got it I understood, I'm like, Oh my God, this is crazy. You do this.
0: Uh, Rebecca, we're just about getting close to the top of the hour. I wanted to touch base to make sure that is there anything about this topic that you wanted to add or wish we had asked?
2: Um, no, I'm so excited that you guys uh, are talking about it. You know, this is as much as I'm, you know, a liberal feminist. Um, this is not a liberal feminist issue. This is like a human, you know, humane question. This is a human condition question. This is about how we Want, to, want people to be in the world and being real about people in the world. And um, um, it would be, you know, I, I would want also if people have, um, if they're sex workers or um, have friends that are sex workers and, and are interested in talking to us and, and having, you know, being able to, or interested in having legislators hear their experience and if they're worried about confidentiality, like reach out to you all or to, to me, so that um, we can have those conversations and help this move this conversation forward, that would be really exciting.
0: What's the best way for people to reach out to you?
2: Um. So, uh, I'm my information is um. It's my email. Maybe, maybe could they could put a link on your website or something?
0: yeah absolutely can. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, yes, we will do that. We'll put a link on our, our podcast page.
1: And people are always welcome to get in touch with me, Emily, and I can pass them off to Rebecca as well.
0: Oh, good. That's a good plan as well. Emily, any other questions you wanted to, to ask Rebecca? No, I
1: think um, the really climax of Rebecca's point <laughs> was, um, I'm sorry, I just couldn't help it, was that we are really just essentially talking about consens- consenting adults having sex and that is the essence of this conversation Mm -hmm.
0: and i think we're we're also talking about um if this isn't getting too radical but just keeping people safe
1: Mm -hmm. and letting people make a living however they need to Mm
0: -hmm. yeah yeah workers rights in in vermont
1: yes (laughs) yeah totally 100 percent Thank you, Rebecca. Well,
0: thank you so much, Rebecca. It was a lot of fun having you on the show today. And I hope if, if we come back to this conversation or if some legislation goes up on the wall in Montpelier, that you'll be able to join us again.
2: Anytime. This was so fun. Thank, thank you. you.
0: Take care. So that was Rebecca Ramos, a attorney in Vermont, talking about decriminalizing sex work. And Emily, what's kind of your takeaway at this moment?
1: My takeaway is, wow, a little bit of silence there. Um, My takeaway is just this idea that the slow road um, and that it's not incremental change is not necessarily about compromise. It's about giving the opportunity for the full conversation to bring everyone on board. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we've come back to time and time again I don't know if we've actually even had a show ever that that didn't come up (laughs) and so remembering that um, you know collaboration happens at the speed of trust and change happens at the speed that people are able to really understand an issue Mm -hmm. and so I'm really excited to be opening this up and to be opening up the idea over and over again right now in Vermont that we need to legislate based on what works rather than what we sort of wish the world could be. Mm-hmm. And I think that is such an important, important angle for us to be moving forward on.
0: Yeah, I think right now my, my takeaway is, too, that when we look at a lot of these big social changes you know Rebecca talked a little bit about fear coming from a place of fear and I think one of our fears is is that oh my gosh if we do something that supports another group then that's going to hinder our lives Mm -hmm. and that it really that's just not I think that's um while I understand why people look at situations that way, because we are humans and our survival is important to us, um, it's really not a place to make policy from, and mm-hmm. it's really not a place to create a safe, harmonious community from.
1: Exactly. I really want to go deeper at some other point about sort of what the legislature needs to do. Maybe actually when we do our sort of end of month roundup, mm-hmm. but what does the legislature need to do to really exercise that muscle better mm. of looking at what's effective rather than what feels good um, and how constituents can support legislators to be making decisions like that. I want to make sure that we have enough time to talk about our Cocktail here on the Happy Hour.
0: I think we do. Do we have enough we time? We do have enough time. So tell us about the cocktail that you recently had. At so last contest. night,
1: I had a drink called the Ruby Ditch. And it was um, at the retirement party of Supreme Court Justice Marilyn Scoglund. She is an amazing woman, if anyone does not know of her. Um, she is the first supreme court she's a female supreme court justice just retiring in vermont she read for the law she did not go to law school Mm -hmm. she did that as a single mother and then got to really the absolute top of her profession and the party was put on by all of her previous law clerks who i've i don't know if i've ever seen people love each other as much as the crowd in this room loved each other and Marilyn is just a hysterically funny, non-pretentious, incredibly brilliant woman who's been, been sitting in our Supreme Court for a long time. And so this was her signature cocktail at the party. She does, like, she does like a good drink. And she claims that as soon as the governor appoints a new justice for the bench and she steps down, she's going to start bartending in Burlington. That, in, <laughs> sorry, in Montpelier. That's, um, that's her next gig. And so this drink, uh, the Ruby Ditch, um, is vodka, Blood orange, the um, blood orange soda from San Pellegrino, which I embarrassingly, I think I've actually talked about on the show before. Um, lime juice and a sprig of rosemary. Mm. However, I had it with gin. Ooh. And it was quite delightful. And I actually think it would be quite delightful without the gin. Maybe with just a little bit more soda water to thin it out. It was the... The little sprig of rosemary it sort of tickled my nose and annoyed me sometimes but it also added this really nice extra sort of flavor sensory experience to the whole thing while i toasted the career of an absolutely amazing woman
0: that sounds delicious and you know that's one thing i think that's really cool in vermont is that you can read the law which means you basically apprentice to a licensed lawyer Mm -hmm. um for was it five years
1: I have I think, no idea take, something like that
0: rather than having to go through through law school and
1: then you just take the bar exam yep I mean just take I've heard it's a fairly hard test <laughs> um what it was also interesting to me as sort of as we wrap up is that all of these um clerks have this deep mentoring relationship with this justice mm. and that that is so much about how the practice of law is designed is this really deep relationship apprenticeship model as people move up through their careers. And I know those relationships are not always as glorious as the one as I saw on display last night. And there were a lot of jokes about the moments they were not glorious, (laughs) but just to think about how people learn their way in the world and learn their way in their professions um, through learning from others is such an incredible model that we have so little of in our communities right now. And so I was Mm -hmm. just sort of excited to see that and be inspired for it by it for a night.
0: That's a really good point. Yeah, we don't have a, a lot of mentoring models, especially Mm-mm. for the career world. Yeah. Yeah, we lack <laughs> that in so many ways. <laughs> well, I have to say, I will bring the mocktail to the show today about, oh, just before we started the show this morning, I bumped into editor Jeff Potter from the Commons, and we were talking, and uh, he's, I said, oh my gosh, I need to find some coffee, because I'm totally... Not with it yet, even though it's a glorious day outside. And he said, well, let me treat you to coffee. So that is the very humble cup of coffee is what I am bringing to the show today. Because it made sure I actually stayed awake (laughs) through the show today. Um, But also just that generosity of of having a friend saying, hey, I gotcha.
1: That is the best.
0: Here's a cup of coffee. (laughs) So... Who is our, our guest next week, Emily? Do we know, or are we waiting for them to get back to us?
1: I believe that we are talking about public space next week. Are
0: we talking perhaps with Meg Mott?
1: Oh, yes. Is Meg Mott next week? I believe so. Oh, I had my things in order. And what are we talking to Meg Mott about next week?
0: I think we're talking about, we're, we're both looking at each other. Uh, I believe we're talking about, um, are we talking about uh, speech?
1: Oh, yes, we are. We are talking about free speech next week with Meg Mott, because that is something else we legislate. And one mm-hmm. of my family's claim to fame, actually, is that my great-grandfather was a judge who banned Fannie Hill. He was sort of, I am related to someone who banned a book. Oh, my goodness. I know. And then look at me here today. So we are. I'm proud of
0: you. You're probably making, you might make him turn in his grave every now and then. I hope
1: so. <laughs> I hope so. That is really one of the best things we can do for our um, ancestors. Mm-hmm. To roll them over a bit. Yep. Yep.
0: Did you just say we, we heard what you did and we improved on it.
1: So Meg Mott is one of my heroes. She was one my professor at Marlboro. Oh, okay. I think okay, it was do. her first year teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure I also, you know. Give her, you know, caused her to roll around a little bit too, <laughs> as, as I did when I was a student. Um, and she has really staked out a claim for herself as an expert, especially in Vermont, um, on this issue of free speech and what it means to legislate around it. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping we can talk about hate speech, um, libel, all of that. I think that's going to be fun.
0: Yeah, because that's one of the the crux of of free speech is that. You know, sometimes people say things we don't want to hear, but who gets to decide what we can't hear? Yes. And and depending on who's making that decision will depend on what you can and cannot hear or can or cannot say. And that is such a slippery slope.
1: It is such a slippery slope. And it's actually something that we do very, very differently than a lot of other countries. Very And so that's something that I am looking forward to understanding better because it's something that... I know about sort of in the context of the history of World War II, Hitler, Nazi, post-war Europe, Mm -hmm. but how it intersects with America, I'm not as clear on as I'd like to be, and so I'm looking forward to having Meg teach us about that a little bit.
0: Yes. So I hope, and I think Meg is actually going to be in the studio, (gasps) so there will be a party. Eye
1: contact!
0: There will be a party at the WVEW studio on Friday next week at two o'clock. I hope folks can tune in just as a reminder. This conversation will be podcasted and online sometime tonight. It will be on the Vermontitude SoundCloud page or the Vermontitude Facebook page.
1: And it'll also be on my Facebook page, Emily Kornheiser, as well as my Instagram feed. And maybe, just maybe, it'll be on Twitter.
0: Hey, yeah, Olga's still not on Twitter. Olga's got to get her act together. Yeah, but, I you think know. you're the
1: only journalist in the state not on <laughs> Twitter, so. Olga. Which is
0: kind of one reason I'm not on Twitter. But
1: <laughs> it's kind of fun in there.
0: It can be. It can mm-hmm. be. All the little tweets zinging, zip, zip, zip. So join us next week at 2 o'clock here on WVEW LP Brattleboro, 107.7 FM, your community radio station. And as a reminder, you can always stream this show or any show on WVEW.com. W-V-E-W at um, on the web at w-V-E-W dot O-R-G. See you next week, everybody.